Welcome to the Akashic Reading Podcast, presented by AkashicReading.com, the place where you can learn to access your soul's wisdom, or at least stop digging the hole any deeper. I'm your host, Terry Uptana, and today we'll be talking about the roots and history of spirituality and the New Age movement. But first, a trigger warning. Religious and spiritual practices in early American history incorporated what we know now as colonialism, racism, and anti-Semitism. Whether through unconscious bias or conscious choice, the actions of many mediums and channels during this period participated in utilizing their gifts to whitewash the effects of slavery and Native American genocide. This doesn't negate the value of currently practicing channels or mediums, nor is it meant to denigrate their valuable work. Thank you. There have always been seekers, those who experience dissatisfaction in some form concerning their life and choose to act in order to resolve it. There are as many reasons for this dissatisfaction as there are individuals, but some of the more common are when a religion is the catalyst for a calling to create a deeper relation with deity, the need to discover the meaning in a life-altering event, a passion for improving or transforming living conditions or social norms, or even more broadly to heal the suffering of humanity. History, legends, and myths are full of seeker stories, and those who return transformed, carrying wisdom. Stories vary on whether this wisdom is accepted by society or rejected, but that's a different subject for another day. We are blessed to live in a global age where information is relatively, widely available and being added to every second. Religions continue growing and becoming as they are living embodiments of robust communities of the faithful. At the same time, smaller offshoots of these religions are being rediscovered and explored by the greater public. New ways of participating in and unfolding spirituality are being created at a rapid pace, for better or for worse, only time and experience ever tells. And historians continue to unearth and decipher the past, adding depth and breadth to our understanding of who we have been, connecting us to our ancestors and the ancient beings and energies, narratives, myths, and archetypes with which we can structure and empower ourselves, and often in intrinsically interconnecting communities. With all this, we now have an embarrassment of riches in these spiritualities, religions, and philosophies we can access and participate with. Many people create their personal practices by pulling from any number of these to unfold something beautiful and unique which falls under the unfortunately lackluster title of spiritual but not religious. What can get lost in this new abundance are the founding influences and historical underpinnings which continue to influence what is on offer, how it's offered, and how we speak about it all. It can be eye-opening to realize what is presented as universal, or the way things are done, are in reality choices amongst a range of options and contain unexamined assumptions. Current spiritual practice in Western culture has been influenced quite a bit by the spiritualism which came into being during the formation of the United States. From the 1600s to the antebellum era, the seeds of modern mediumship, medical intuition, channeling, reports of NDE, 
soul healing, the release of trapped souls, and Native Americans as mystical spiritual creatures were planted and began to flourish. Each of these subjects is worthy of in-depth discussion, and there are numerous authors who do this admirably. You can find them at Amazon, your public library, Audible, Apple, you name it. However, for this discussion, I'm going to keep things to a brief overview, somewhat like an arrow pointing you in a direction for further discovery and discussion. So let's start with practical mediumship. One of the first visible forms of the emerging spiritualism movement in the U.S. was practical mediumship. This is communication with spirits via physical means, such as tapping, lighting or blowing out of candles, moving furniture or objects, or any physical manifestation which can be experienced as happening in real time and be a means of communicating conversational message rather than static statements or proclamations. While this form of mediumship is still practiced today, it's mainly known for its non-spiritual fraud-type uses, like tricks at Halloween or in horror movies for jump-scare effects. In 1848, however, the Fox family of Hydesville, New York, began hearing knocking, which was discovered to be a being attempting to communicate. Through a system of taps, the spirit, named Charles, communicated with two of the children, Kate and Margaret, on a regular basis. This wouldn't necessarily have been notable as the entirety of New England was known for all manner of paranormal activity. Just think Ichabod Crane. But such activity was decidedly divided into two camps. Christian, holy and good, and non-Christian, evil and other. So you were either dealing with angels and emissaries from heaven, or something twisted with ill intent. What marks the experiences of the Fox family as historically relevant is Charles and the other souls the Fox sisters eventually communicated with in their careers were clear they were souls of people, neither demons nor angels, and not suffering torments nor bearing any great message. They were mundane, regular, normal. This coincided with the other remarkable fact. The Fox sisters were as well. In following along with these still young United States notions of equality for all, its promise that anyone and everyone can make of themselves what they will, these spirits spoke to women who were not gifted, not spiritual or religious authorities, nor were they devotees of some spiritual master. Yes, racism was still in full swing and women wouldn't get the vote until 1920. The American dream was definitely a work in very slow progress. But the Fox sisters were what we would now consider middle to upper middle class women who engaged with the spirits rather than dismiss them, which opened the door for the concept that mediumship is not elitist or special, and the veil was accessible to anyone who wished to work with it. At approximately the same time the Foxes were talking through knocking, Andrew Jackson Davis went to a trance mediumship lecture, something which was becoming popular at the time, and had a transformative experience. He went into a trance himself spontaneously and was able to see inside the body of every person in the room. Once he'd done so, he found he could reproduce the experience and use it to detect illness and injury accurately in individuals. From this, 
Davis worked to discern how these abilities aligned with and explicated natural and scientific principles, much like naturalists at the time were working to understand physics and biology using the scientific method. He worked to create a philosophy of the spiritual realm which extended scientific rigor and principles to the other side. While he never completed a formal or complete philosophy, his desire for accurateness of diagnoses, for replicable results and scientific understanding of underlying principles, such as cause and effect, rather than the religious answer, God is inscrutable, have paved the way for seekers to chart their own path and for medical intuitive careers like that of Carolyn Meese. Emanuel Swedenborg was a scientist who also studied the occultism of Bohm, the Hermeticists, and Christian Kabbalah. He worked to use theology like a scientific tool to prove the immortality of the soul, as well as make souls experienceable to the five senses. Much like other naturalists of the period, he sought to understand nature itself as a physical mechanism. Swedenborg sought to marry theological processes to natural experience and so come to understand the world beyond ours in a rational, scientific, and philosophic manner. Using the scientific method, scripture, and his ability to channel angelic message and visions, he began mapping what he described as spiritual geography, which matched its counterpart on Earth, showing that for everything here, there is a correspondence there, both negative and positive. This geography closely resembled Kabbalah and Christian precepts of heaven and hell, with seven concentric spheres or realms like Russian nesting dolls in hierarchical order. Higher or outer spheres were thought to send teachings and spiritual energies, lessons of morality and spiritual education, to those which were lower or inner. So heaven was highest, with hell being lowest, much as Dante describes in the Divine Comedy. While the aim of this work was to provide understanding of a scientifically demonstrable reality, what developed instead was a hierarchical structure which tended towards forming a religion. Swedenborg and those who joined him began speaking against other mediums who spoke with individual, non-authoritative souls as having fallen prey to demon possession or evil spirits. They claimed only those who followed the Swedenborgian methods and message were on the side of the angels, quite literally. Not only did this create within spiritualism the concepts of higher versus lower vibrations, less enlightened or developed souls versus the enlightened few, but also the notions there are more and less authoritative spiritual beings and their message should be accepted and acted on accordingly. So any spiritual message which Swedenborg didn't agree with could be less spiritual, demonic, or evil rather than some new aspect of spirituality to investigate. This reverberates throughout the greater spiritual community today as various people claim to have the answer or answers to seekers' questions and jockey for their likes, shares, and subscriptions, as well as dollars. Also, if an individual couldn't trust their own knowing or the message they receive as a medium, if, as Swedenborg says, there is just as much evil, duplicity, and self-interested motivations from souls on the other side, then there needed to be arbiters which help guide and inform people of what is true, best, and right. Hence, spiritualism gained their own loose version of priests, ministers, and spiritual authorities, which continues in various forms today.
it might be helpful to pause here briefly to talk about the differences between mediums and channels. Like most of what we're discussing, mediumship and channeling have existed long before Western civilization was a twinkle in humanity's eye. However, the difference becomes dramatically clear as spiritualism births spirituality and the New Age movement into being. The difference between the two is not in form, but in function. There are a number of ways to connect with beings on the other side. Sonambulism and trance mediumship like Edgar Cayce, seances, ceremonies like drawing down the moon and witchcraft, and so on. The difference comes from why you connect and with whom. In general, the point of mediumship is to connect with a being to provide healing, solace, or continued relationship. A medium might reach out to convey message from someone who has crossed over to those who remain, or may ask for help from the client's guides in order to heal a specific malady or get insights on their questions. While they can and do get information, wisdom, and insights into the bigger picture of all life here and beyond, their purpose is to work with discrete, unique individuals both here and across the veil. Channels may be working to find answers to an individual's questions, but they connect with beings on the other side who have insights and wisdom about the bigger picture, and who promote spiritual and social change for humanity as a whole. Often these beings are what we would consider authoritative in some fashion, and are attempting to help us create a better world and each of us into better human beings. Mediumship, not including mediums who seek to become famous or create careers in entertainment, tends to not espouse agendas, to be seen as an authoritative voice, or make heavy-handed value judgments. Most mediums are caring individuals who hold space for those seeking answers, comfort, and a means to move forward. Channeling is an amazing gift, but unfortunately prone to being co-opted for the purposes of the channeler. It's not uncommon to find a channel who has fallen into the trap I call Authority makes it true. Hence, message which just happens to coincide with what they believe comes to them through archangels, powerful historical figures, or types of beings favored at the moment in the community. While not foolproof, a channel is more likely to be transmitting complete and authentic message if what they receive is from a being not readily known or spiritually in vogue and the message is not similar in opinion or even experience of the channel. It's also a good sign when the being is neither vague in meaning nor socially correct in how they present things. This is not to call out individual mediums or channels or to dissuade anyone from practicing these gifts, but to point out they should not be held as somehow maintaining objectivity or even universality and so be above scrutiny or a healthy dose of skepticism and practicality. Historically, both mediums and channels within spiritualism responded to the social issues of the time, just as happens now. This, unfortunately, created some fairly problematic messages which we still contend with today. Which brings us to NDE, racism, and where are the Civil War ghosts? Most people pre-20th century had a healthy relationship with and direct experience of death, from hunting to raising animals for meat, as well as what we would consider high mortality rates for children and women in childbirth. 
Also, life expectancy was lower, and life could be decidedly hazardous in general. But the early years of the United States also added large doses of vicious and violent. Colonists died of starvation and also participated in killing native tribes, both accidentally and on purpose. Then the War of Independence left devastation on the East Coast, followed by colonization of native-held lands, which included various genocidal actions. And the Civil War brought everything to a halt, shook the entire country like a snow globe, and left all the pieces to settle as they may. This brought reports of near-death experience, NDE, into spiritualism in a way they hadn't been before. Rather than something anomalous, shameful, or frightening, experiences of NDE became one more means for individuals to understand the nature of the soul and what lies beyond. Where before these stories might be told only to confidants or kept in family circles, they began to be shared in spiritual meetings and with others of like minds and interest. Yet while the living were gaining visibility, the voices of the deceased were surprisingly absent from mediumship. It was rare to have any Civil War veteran souls come forward and If they did speak to those left behind, they had surprisingly no interest in social matters or anything having to do with morality. At this same moment, channels were beginning to contact a variety of beings and souls on the other side who did have a great deal of interest in these matters. Most of the founding fathers of the United States were in regular communication with the living, so they said, speaking messages of unification and manifest destiny. They spoke about abolishing slavery as a universal good while not mentioning many themselves had been slave owners. They went about conveniently correcting previously channeled message where slavery was said to be a spiritual principle and therefore naturally right. It's notable that while there were beings on the other side at the time which spoke against these things, they were a minority. Also notable is the fact it's rare to find evidence where the opinions of the channeler were in conflict with the message of the being channeled. As a side note, it's interesting to think on whether the Founding Fathers of America have message for us today in light of our current civil rights struggles and those around the globe. Are they silent because they're no longer interested in the subject or us, or because we're no longer interested in them? Similarly, it's not uncommon for souls identified by the channeler as African-American to speak through channels, but rarely with any anger or remorse at their previous embodied experience. Often, they instead confirmed social and spiritual norms of the period, which were racist, and unfortunately many were presented as racist stereotypes, which both were unlikely to have been their embodied means of expression and did not seem to represent the perspectives of any higher plane of existence. In fact, it was this time period where the mistaken notion of separate heavens, like separate bathrooms for colored and whites, became popularized. It was thought that while all individuals could go to heaven, lower races, such as those from Africa, would have their own version. Along with all this, Spiritualism was attempting to incorporate a new narrative about Native Americans. In seeking to heal the nation after war and find a new equilibrium with freed slaves, as well as so many new landowners, 
It became apparent Indian voices needed to be heard and reconciled into the greater understanding of spirituality and the universe. Channels began hearing from those they considered famous Indians, such as Sacagawea, but with messages of peace, prosperity, and welcome. Almost all souls which the channels identified as Native Americans, speaking across the veil, seemed to understand the need for white colonization of their homes, while at the same time having no information or interest in their own specific tribal practices, mythology, or spiritual matters. In fact, like with African American souls, Native American souls seem to describe their own separate heaven geared towards their own needs. This heaven was more nature-based, more animistic, and confirmed this newly invented narrative which supported an emerging white America. No longer were Indian savages, warlike, deadly, and vicious, but instead they were wise elders, closer to the land, with special insights into healing and magical practices. This became the dominant message in spiritual community, which continues today, in images of Indian maidens at waterfalls with white buckskin dresses, sitting next to wolf cubs or deer, in shirtless Native American men on horseback holding out their arms for eagles to land, and Native American astrology charts which have no resemblance to the cosmology among any of the 500 tribes still existing in the U.S. or their practices. Flowing out of all this, it makes sense that spiritualism would move towards wanting to heal souls who have crossed over. This took the form of attempting to discern which souls who had crossed over needed help and what kind of help could be supplied. From this has developed our modern understanding of house and building clearings, the ability to release trapped or confused souls who have yet to cross over, and an interest in working with past lives and the life between lives. These practices continue to be prone to boundary violations, unfortunately, or the I-slash-we-know-best issue, which plagues all spiritualities in one form or another. Isms of all kinds, like racism, ageism, sexism, colonialism, can lead to well-meaning healers seeing a problem, a brokenness, or issue in something which is simply different. So even today, a good rule of thumb is to ask a soul if they want help first, before acting. And if they do want it, ask them for what and in what way. You'll often be surprised at the clarity and specificity of the answer. In conclusion, so while spiritual practices continue to improve, develop, and adapt to the needs and interests of our times, for example, we hear from Lao Tzu rather than George Washington and practice Reiki rather than somnambulism, it's good to know how we do things now is not universal or untouched by social structures both past and present. Once you know more about the soil your path has rooted in, you can better manifest the way forward. And that's all the time we have this week. If you're interested in knowing more, check out my website, akashicreading.com. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please consider supporting it by subscribing on Patreon. You can see all my other offerings and get regular updates about what I'm working on at patreon.com slash Thanks. Bye.